Hey, good morning, Harlan. How we doing? Well, um, is this going? Oh, this is going to terrify some people. How about that? Is that better? We're good now. We're all right. You just didn't want to see this tip over. You're like, I'm going to see a victory and the preacher topple over the stage today. Uh, well, <laughs> I got more controversial things to talk about um, because uh, everybody knows it's after Thanksgiving. And so one controversy is behind us. Everybody said, hallelujah, we can finally celebrate Christmas without all the Thanksgiving Gestapo trying to stop us. <laughs> Amen. Everybody, everybody who had your Christmas lights up early, afraid to plug them in because your HOA was going to sue you if you started celebrating Christmas. Listen, listen, listen. I, I saw before Halloween this year, Home Depot had Christmas trees out for sale. Anybody else see that? Hallmark, we love you, started rolling their 9 million Christmas movies that they've made, all of them the same plot with just different names. started on October 22nd this year. Starbucks waited a whole four days into November to start selling you pe uh, peppermint mochas. Aldi released their now coveted wine advent calendar on the same day, dubbing November 4th National Advent Calendar Day. <laughs> November 4th. <laughs> but here we are, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, not a soul would argue that while Pastor Brad still wants us to celebrate Thanksgiving, <laughs> that it is finally Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. So uh, this has been a weird thing for, for me over the past like six weeks to watch Christmas be celebrated so early. And there's an economic reason behind it. Retailers want to get their money, want to get you in the spirit, want to make sure you're planned out, all this stuff. There's supply chain shortages, all the thing, right? Um, but, but this is where I think in the chaos of our world, the church really could step in and give some uh, order. You know, it wasn't too long ago that the church actually was the keeper of our social calendars and our holiday calendars as a society. See, for centuries, uh, the church traditions built the rhythms over our year in a way that remind us of important mysteries of the aspects of our faith in God. And the church calendar, here's, here's what I want to tell you. The, the church calendar, the four weeks leading up to Christmas days, they're called a season of Advent, which actually happens to start today. Advent is a recognized marker that it's OK to put up the Christmas lights, and it's OK to listen to Christmas music. It's OK to sing Christmas carols. Um, congratulations, everybody. Today is the first day of Advent. You're free. <laughs> More than a social marker, though, Advent is a spiritual practice. We mark this season special so that we allow the incredible mystery and the paradox of Christmas, to saturate deep into our souls. This idea that God really came to earth, that Jesus is the promised son of God, a gift to anyone who would believe in him. We, we mark out time, not just so that we can know when to start celebrating, but so that our hearts can know what we are celebrating. Our hearts would have time to know who we are celebrating. 
There's a, a line in one of the Christmas carols that we'll sing here at Heartland, and maybe you've already sang it uh, as you put up your own Christmas decorations. My family, we didn't wait until the turkey was cold before we started putting up our Christmas decorations on Thanksgiving. Sorry, Thanksgiving. But um, it's that song, Joy to the World. There's a line in Joy to the World that kind of gets the heart of Advent. I just want to, you know, you know the line. It's, you know, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let, this one, let every heart prepare him room. Over the next four weeks, we as a church want to do that. We want to let every heart prepare him room. That's Advent. That really gets to the heart of, of Advent. Get ready. Prepare him room. It, it's what we do when we're hosting the out-of-town guests in for Christmas. We, we, make, we make up the guest room. We prepare the house. We get it all ready. There's so much to prepare for in our holiday season. What, you know, the meals, the desserts, the presents, which Christmas Eve service you're going to go to at Heartland. The laughter, the joy, stories and experiences, games, all the things that your family will do together in the holiday season. There's so much to prepare for. Maybe even uh, one of the exciting things is that coming up, maybe it didn't happen at Thanksgiving, but coming up, one of your kids is going to bring home a special someone that you haven't met yet. And your heart, as you prepare for the room for these people, your heart goes to what will this be like? What, is, what will this celebration be like? Expectations and excitement builds as you prepare room. You see, what, what Advent does for us, it's, it's like this. What hosting does in our homes, Advent does in our hearts. It gets us spiritually ready to receive the wonder of God's love. So over the next four weeks, here, here's just where we're going as a church. I just want to let you know. Over the next four weeks, we're going to get our hearts ready for Christmas to have its full effect on us. Good, for, good with that? Everybody good with that? You see, Prepare Him Room, it's a series that we've created. It's all about making space for Jesus coming and, and sinking deep into our souls. Now, I want, <laughs> I want Christmas to have its full effect on me. Because I know this, that the older that I get, and maybe the older you get, the older that I get, the, the, the less and less the wonder of Christmas gets. I'll say that again. The, the older I get, maybe the older you get, the wonder of Christmas gets less and less. As a kid, you remember your Christmas days as a kid? The excitement, the energy, the anticipation. My kids sat down with Nana not too many days ago and started making their Christmas list. And Nana's eyes kept getting bigger and bigger. She imagined the total sum of money our kids were asking her to spend on them. <laughs> because as a kid, you have no concept for how much things cost. You just know that what would it be like if I got this thing or I got this toy, if I woke up on Christmas morning, there was this, this under the tree for me. There's just this excitement about it. And then... You go through enough Christmases and you realize that the promises of Christmas past fail to deliver. That Christmases past failed to deliver on their promise. Maybe you had that disappointing moment uh, when you unwrapped a present that was missing a part. Maybe you had the experience where you purchased a gift for somebody off of Amazon and you realized that it was one of those pictures that was zoomed in really closely and the thing that you bought them was not the right scale. Growing up one year, uh, my family, we got a telescope. I thought this was going to be the coolest thing in the world. We got, we got one of these. And um, anybody ever have a telescope that like you took out into a field and no, okay, this is like a Chicago thing then. Okay. Yeah, you did? You had a telescope. And I, um, 
I remember being, being about 10 years old and thinking, this is gonna be so cool. The box says that I'll be able to see the planets, all of them. And we got it out. I remember that one year we got it out right away at a field across the street from where I grew up. And we got it out and we kind of positioned it and looked in and, um, <clears throat> yep, caps off. That would have been really embarrassing. And um, all we could see was the moon. I remember thinking, this is going to be so amazing. Then all we could see was just the stinking moon. And I just look up and I can see it just as good as the telescope. <laughs> that, that, that Charlie Brown song, we all walked home to that. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you've been through a season where you wanted wonder, but because Christmas past didn't deliver on its promise, you've lost the sense of wonder. And wonder is sold all around us. This week, I was at the doctor's office um, waiting and to be seen by one of, one of my doctors, and I picked up a copy of Midwestern Living. This is how you know I was in a doctor's office. And the cover of it, I was captured by it because the cover said, Spark Wonder. And it was a picture of this Wisconsin barn covered in snow. Then I was watching football on Thanksgiving, and I saw a, a Swarovski Diamonds commercial that said, this year, give the gift of wonder. And then I was down a really long YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> yesterday and saw Jimmy Fallon running around in a Lay's sweater singing about the wonder of Christmas, selling potato chips while he was doing it. Wonder is sold all around us. And, and listen, none of it delivers. A Lexus with a bow on it this year in your driveway is next year's car in the shop. And an iPhone 13 this year is just one product announcement away from becoming obsolete. How is it that you and I could possibly make, make room for wonder in our hearts, wonder for Christmas to become magical again, wonder for us to even remember what is it that Christmas promises us? It's this, Advent is the way that we make room for wonder. And I think uh, as we want to make room for wonder in our hearts today, the, the scriptures actually give us three preparations, three things that we could do to prepare our hearts for wonder. Three preparations we must make in our hearts if we want to make room for wonder. First promise that I want to just lead us through today as a church, and I want to just take a high view of what Christmas is all about today. The wonder of Christmas. And the first preparation we have to make in our hearts to make space for wonder is simply this, is that we got to believe the promise. Believe the promise. See, wonder is a byproduct of faith and promise. In the Bible, wonder happens when the unbelievable becomes believable. Let me say that again. In the Bible, wonder happens when the unbelievable becomes believable. If you go all the way back to our earliest recollection as a human, humankind, as humanity, all the way back to that garden in Eden, God made a promise that Though Adam and Eve were led into deception by the snake, that one day God would give the woman a son who would crush the snake. All the way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, all the way back way in that moment, one of the darkest moments of history, but also one of the most promising moments of history, that on the heels of, of deception, God promised deliverance. And throughout the centuries that followed, God would promise many people would have sons. Sarah and Abraham, they're the first main characters of the Bible. Genesis chapter 12 kind of kicks off their story. Genesis 21, God tells, uh, Genesis 20, God tells Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. Sarah is old, but you're going to have a son. In Genesis 
Chapter 21, they've waited, they've waited, they've waited. It felt like God wasn't keeping up his promise. They waited. And finally, Genesis 21 verse 2 says this, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Verse 7 of that same chapter, Sarah wonders. She says, who will believe that God has blessed me at my old age with a son? How ridiculous is this? And she's caught up in wonder. A few more generations of these promised sons continue on in the story of the Bible. And that bears out that Sarah's grandson, Jacob, gives uh, he doesn't give birth, but he has 12 of his own sons and 12 great-grandsons of Sarah. And you remember the story of one of these, if you've seen any musical about Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat, that he was this beloved son who was betrayed and he found his way to Egypt. And he was used in saving and sparing God's people, the Israelites, the 12 sons of Jacob, bringing them out of the famine into Egypt. And Later, they become enslaved by Pharaoh. It seems like the snake is still biting, even though the promised son of deliverance was promised. He hasn't yet come. Okay, so you're at this moment of my message wondering what the heck this has to do with Christmas, right? I mean, you're kind of like, Dan, get to the point here. Like, what does this have to do with Christmas? And, and, and all of this has an incredible amount to do with Christmas. You see, the word wonder appears in the Bible before Jesus, the Old Testament, no less than 80 times. 80 times the word wonder shows up in the Bible. And the first time that it shows up is this moment when God's people are trapped as slaves in Egypt. It doesn't happen before then. It starts in this very moment when God's people are crying out for deliverance, crying out, God, it feels like you've forsaken us. It feels like you've forgotten us. It feels like there is no wonder in the world. And God hears their cries and he makes a promise to his people. He says, I will deliver you from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. So God sends a man named Moses to Pharaoh with power to do signs and wonders. Even though it took a while, Pharaoh relents on his Ruling over God's people, he sets them free and Israel experiences freedom. From this moment on, listen, listen, from this moment on in the story, whenever God's people second-guessed God, whenever they wondered if God had the power to deliver on his promise, they would tell this story about how God freed them, delivered them from the oppression of Egypt. This is kind of what it was like in the Old Testament. Prophets kind of pointed the telescope backwards. Will this work? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the problem wasn't with the telescope, it was with the user. God would point, or the, the prophets would point wonder backwards towards this event of God redeeming his people from the land of Pharaoh. All throughout the Old Testament, wonder comes up to tell us about this moment when God delivered his people from Pharaoh. It, it is inextricably linked, God's wonder and God's deliverance. God's wonder and God's deliverance. His, his, his marvelous fulfilling of his promise and his deliverance of his people, which brings us clearly to the Christmas story found in Luke chapter one. Stop me if you've heard this before. In Luke chapter one, um, an, 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 old, an, an old man is told by God that though his wife was old and couldn't have a child before, he was promising that they would have a son. 
Except this time in Luke chapter one, their names are not Sarah and Abraham. Their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. There's another woman who has promised that she would have a son. She's not old, she's young, and she's not married, she's engaged. Her name is Mary. An angel appears to Mary and she believes the unbelievable. That though she was a virgin, the Holy Spirit would make it possible for her to bear a son. And as such, this virgin-born son from God would be called the Son of God. The angel punctuated the announcement to Mary with this certainty. Actually, the angel proves to Mary what she will experience by saying, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive. She's in her sixth month. Then check this out. For no word from God will ever fail. The angel says that's a promise. Blessed is the one who believes the unbelievable. But here's where we start, I think, to pick up steam on this idea of wonder. Wonder isn't just believing a promise. It's probably more accurately called hope. Wonder happens when you believe the promise and then see the gift. That's the second way we make space is to see the gift that God is giving in the way that he's fulfilling his promise. And then here's why I believe the events of Christmas are actually true. Here's why in my heart, I, this is not up for debate, like, like this actually happened. is because Mary did the thing that every single one of us would have done if you were told that one of your relatives who was previously unable to have a child was found to be with a child. You would go call that person right away and say, is it true? Anyone who's ever walked the road of infertility who found out that then they, later they were pregnant. I, I, had, I had friends in my life knock on my door telling me, hey, we just found out the news. We're never going to have a kid. And then three years later, show up on my front porch with a bottle of scotch and say, hey, crazy news. You're going to need some of this. We're pregnant. I mean, it happens, right? God, God tells us that, that he, he controls the way that he gives or he takes away. And, and whatever happens in these moments of, of wonder, Mary does the thing. She goes to Elizabeth and says, is it true? Is it true? And she arrives. You, you know the story. She arrives to Elizabeth that day. She sees the gift of a child that her cousin was given. She is fully six months pregnant. See, wonder isn't about daydreaming. Wonder isn't about curiosity. Wonder is about seeing and beholding. It's, um, okay, so let me put this a little bit more in our terms. Wonder is the middle-aged guy who has been a fan of the Chiefs his whole life, who remembers the stories of Super Bowl's past. And in a certain recent year, when the clock finally ran out and had been dreaming about this moment his whole life, everyone is going crazy around him with excitement, but he falls back in his chair speechless because the unthinkable has happened. The unbelievable is believable. Okay, now are we on the same page? <laughs> Wonder is the moment <clears throat> where you see the goal. Wonder is the moment when a young astronaut named Neil um, steps out onto the surface of a rock that nobody had ever visited before and says, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. 
Because the goal had been accomplished. He had seen the goal. But here's what separates the the birth of Jesus from just achieving a goal. Here's what separates the birth of Jesus from just a Super Bowl victory or visiting a distant rock. Here's what separates the birth of Jesus is that he did all that he did, not because humans accomplished anything, but God did it all. God did it all. He did all that he promised he would do. And in this moment when Mary and Elizabeth see each other, Elizabeth is wrapped with wonder. And Mary is wrapped with wonder. So much so that if this was a musical, this would be the moment where the spotlight shines right on Mary and everybody else fades to black. And Mary looks her eyes upward and, 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 and she sings a song of wonder in Luke chapter 1, verse 51. She says that God has performed mighty deeds with his arms. And then notice this whole recount of Israel's history, just kind of what she says here. She says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham as his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, to have wonder, we got to believe the promise and we see the gift. Here's one last vignette in Luke chapter one. Elizabeth finally gives birth to her son, John the Baptist. And her husband, Zechariah, sees the gift of his son, holds him in his arms, and here's what he says about his son. When he sees the promise, actually here, he he says in in verse uh, 68 of the same chapter, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has remembered his holy covenant. Look at this. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear. So so there's something that the angels and the women and Zechariah connected these births of sons with the promise of God to Israel and the past deliverance from Egypt. But for them, wonder wasn't something in the past. Wonder for them was something that God was actually doing in the future. Wonder was something that God's work was now displayed. He had redeemed his people from Egypt. He had redeemed his people Israel. He had delivered them out of their bondage, but he was doing a new thing. Something else was happening in this moment, something seismic, something cosmic, something celestial, something divine. And they realized that it had something to do with the promises that God had made for sons into the future. The rest of the story is about God who wasn't done with wonder. That God was moving in history again. That he was delivering on his promise again. That he was sending the deliverer to rescue his people from their ancient enemy, the serpent himself. That the son of God was coming into the world. <laughs> and that's wonderful. The rest of the story is wonder upon wonder upon wonder, just cascading from this moment. Mary gives birth to Jesus. The angels appear to shepherds, sharing the most wonderful news. A savior has been born to all people. 
The angels give them a sign that they can see this gift. They, they, they say that the baby will be wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so they go and they find the baby exactly as they were told they would. And they believe the promise. And they see the gift. And finally, they do this. This is the third thing about how we make room for wonder. It's just simply this, is that when they believe the promise and see the gift, they do the next thing that wonder leads us to do, which is they worship the giver. They worship the giver. They shared with everyone what they heard. And then there's three expressions in Luke chapter 2 of wonder right here. It says this, and all who heard it, this is what the shepherds told them, they were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. They all were like, whoa. But Mary, <laughs> the one who had a front row seat to this entire thing, watching it unfold her, herself, Mary treasured up all these things. She pondered them silently in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You see, when God's promise is delivered, you have no option but, but to respond in the wonder of worship. Okay, so worship is like a really churchy word. It's a word that just simply means to give praise to someone who deserves praise. It wonder takes root only when we believe the promise. We see the gift and respond by praising the giver, by worshiping the giver. Because God had done the thing that he said he would do. And that's so important for us today because, you know, we don't have to look back to Egypt to marvel at God's wonders of the promise of deliverance. We don't today look forward to Jesus. Why? Because this happened centuries ago. We don't have to look forward to Jesus for the promises of God because those have already been fulfilled in Jesus. Where do you and I look for wonder? Where is the place that if, if you and I could, could, could put ourselves in the story, where is the place that you and I would look for wonder? Where, where is it? The, the place that maybe we don't start Christmas with is actually the place that we end Easter with. The place that you and I just have to look to see the wonder of our God, to see the deliverance that he's given to his people, to see the salvation that God's promised for us is simply an empty grave. Steps outside of the city that was just two miles from where he was born. We look where Mary and Elizabeth didn't know that they should look. We look just outside of Jerusalem. See, the wonder of Christmas is that God would come and stitch himself into time in a body, be subjected to our living experience and then condemned to death for us. And yet as the ruler of everything, he rose from the dead, crushing the snake, setting all of us free from sin and death. The ultimate promise of Christmas, the ultimate wonder of Christmas isn't just that God gave us his son, but that through his son, God gives us his life. See, wonder is the awareness that God has really delivered on all of his promises. If you want something to wonder at this Christmas, think back to Jesus coming to us and realize this, that in Jesus, God proves that he really has delivered on all of his promises. The Christmas passed failed to deliver on what it promised. 
Commercial Christmas fails to deliver on its promise. Relational Christmas fails to deliver on its promise. But, but when we look back at what Christmas is all about, we see that it's a moment where we recognize God has the, he's the only one who has delivered on every promise that he's ever made. And I wonder for you, what promise is gonna lead you into wonder this year? What, what promise do you need this year? I think for some of you, you need the promise of real deliverance. You need the promise uh, that God gave to the Egyptian, to the, the Israelites in Egypt. You, you, you need the promise of being freed from something. Maybe this is a Christmas season where you realize that the thing that's controlling, controlling you in your life is the thing that God has sent Jesus to free you from. The thing that's got a stronghold over your heart, the thing that's got something going on in your own life, it's, it's causing tension between you and your family members. You, you, don't, you, you, you don't know if you can be or if you even wanna be free from this thing that's got a grip on you. You can have the promise that God has given to you. The wonder today is the amazing claim that God is a deliverer who delivers on his promises and he wants to set you free. Some here, maybe you just need the promise this Christmas season of real presence. You, you, you're walking into a Christmas season that's different than the other Christmas seasons. It's the first time that you're doing this without somebody with you. Maybe this has been a season of sadness and pain and you want to find hope and joy and peace this Christmas. You need the promise that God made with Israel through the prophet Isaiah. When it didn't feel like he was going to keep his promise, when people were second guessing the power that God had to keep his promises, he made us this promise. He said, don't fear for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God promises his presence to his people and in sending his son into the world, he sent himself to be God with us. Maybe the wonder that you'll experience this year is the fact that God has promised to you that though you go through the valley of the shadow, you don't have to fear any evil because God is with you. Maybe, maybe for you, the, the wonder of the promise that you need this year is just simply the promise of strength. This has been a crazy couple of months for all of us. And maybe for you, this, the pandemic has paid a particular toll on your soul. You're tired. You're secretly just aching for a day when you will worry about other things. You need the promise that God gave to Isaiah in Isaiah 40, verse 31, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's for people like you that God gave the promise to Paul. He said, my, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Maybe today you want to wonder at the gift that God's given, the promise that he gives of strength. But maybe for you, the greatest promise that you need of all is the greatest promise that God gives through Jesus of all. It's the great promise of purpose and security. 
It's found by believing the promise and seeing the gift of Jesus that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And here's the wonder of this gift, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. Here's wonder. Wonder is believing the unbelievable. It's believing the promise, seeing the gift, and worshiping the giver. For many of us this year, what we need to find in our hearts is the fact that God has already given the gift because God has already made the promise. And we have a God who delivers on all of his promises. And the promise always was and always will be Jesus Christ himself. So believe him. The gift always was and always has been and always will be Jesus Christ himself. So do you see him? And when you believe the promise and see the gift, our hearts of wonder can only do one thing but worship the giver. Our good Father, who has done everything we need in our moments of deliverance, God sent his son to give us life. And so as we do these things, believe him and see him and praise him, I think the wonders of God's love will flood our hearts and our lives. And that's a promise. Would you pray with me? God, all throughout history, you've made promises to your people. You've shown us that you're a God who cares about us. So Lord, we look to you and we see that you're a God who made us promises that you would come at the right time to deliver us from the things that are holding us captive, that you deliver us from our fear, that you put inside of us a heart of faith, that we could believe the unbelievable. So God, I don't want to miss Christmas in my own heart this year. God, help me to continue to believe the unbelievable. God, that you really came, that you really lived, that you really died, and you really rose again so that I might have new life in you. And God, I pray for those who are here right now listening to the sound of my voice who maybe for the first moment in their life, what, what, what I've said here today actually makes sense to them. For the first time in their life, they hear the story that you've created, this big old art, overarching story of your redemption and your deliverance and your love, the fact that you have the power to deliver on your promises. And God, it's moved in some sense in their hearts. God, they, they want to just give you praise. And so God, I just ask for whoever is here today who, who wants to take a step into a relationship with you and experience this deliverance, God, would your spirit meet with them right now as they just simply talk to you? As they say, God, I believe. Help me believe the unbelievable. Help me see that the gift has always been you, Jesus. And help me 
learn how to worship you, oh God, and live my life apart from fear. God, we trust in you, the only one who has never failed in your promises to do this work in our hearts. We love you so much, God. It's in your precious name we pray.